0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Overflow, the podcast. Are you filling everyone's cup, meanwhile your energy and inspiration is drained? I believe when you move from overdrive to overflow, Hello and welcome. This is your host, Kimberly Snyder. Welcome to this week's episode and welcome as we launch into season three. And I'm hoping whether you're an entrepreneur, a manager, a leader, or just looking to individually improve your leadership, I hope this conversation from the good to great Sherpa today will help inspire you to become what we call a level five leader and help think about how you can evolve your team with this concept of the culture flywheel to be successful and to impact and influence the decisions you make around performance, around team, around difficult conversations. I want to introduce you to my new friend, Dave Oakley. Dave Oakley has more than 30 years leading transformations in a wide variety of industries. He has been successful at building teams that have generated compelling results, primarily as an executive, but also as a consultant. He is inspired to emulate level five leadership, and that has is coming from the Jim Collins Good to Great. Jim Collins' Good to Great, if you don't have it, if you have the book, pick it up. It's time to reread it. If you don't have it, order it on Amazon or your, your local bookshop. Good to Great by Jim Collins is a fantastic book, really a collection, a research, I would say it's more a research paper of Jim Collins and his research team and how they have looked at companies that have moved from good to to great, what methods they had, um, the philosophies they had. And Jim Collins tries to create models to help us understand the difference between good companies and great companies. And so what I love about Dave Oakley is he's recognized that in the Collins work, lacks an explicit how-to. So it's It is very informative and full of research. And so Dave has developed Lead Different. Lead Different teaches and and inspires leaders to become level five leaders and helps provide a path to transform organizations. And we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about level five leadership. We're going to talk about Dave's Lead Different and his culture flywheel that sits on top of the flywheel of Jim Collins' Um, leadership, and business success model. We're going to talk about the window and the mirror. We're going to talk about how culture and, and deciding who is on the bus rather than all, all the what questions, you know, what is our priority, especially during this global pandemic. As a leader, how are you leading different? How are you helping your team move from good to great? What I love about Dave, he is a family-first man. Um, He would say he's lucky to have a wife who supports his enthusiasms. And he has a son in college playing his favorite sports, indoor and beach volleyball. They are a family of, he would call themselves, volleyball junkies. They go and watch and they support all the matches and obviously support their son's passion for playing. He is a New England Patriots fan and he also is a lover of wine. We're fast friends. He's going to share some advice for leaders, especially in the pandemic, more around level five leadership, the model, and how it offers us some principles to create conditions where really all the stakeholders win. So whether you're trying to go from bad to good or good to great, I'm sure Dave will inspire you and have, at the very least, raised some questions about your leadership and your approach he would say he's always called in when things are bad. So the pandemic is just an extreme version of what he often gets help to, asked to help with. So he would say cultivating and fostering leadership that embodies personal humility and fierce resolve. He would say putting the who questions first. Driving a level of fit and performance management to high levels where people can excel individually and collectively. And lastly, activating actively building trust, especially in surfacing and dealing with the brutal facts. We're going to talk about so much. We really went from A to Z and back again and deep. And so what I've done is I've divided our podcast into two. So welcome to the first half of lead different with Dave Oakley really the good to great sherpa that all leaders out there need welcome to this week's episode get out your pen take some notes get out your highlighter for your good to great book i am confident that this will inspire you to think about your leadership your people and culture at work and really just raise the bar from good to great so welcome to part 1 here we go, and I promise next week will be an even more in-depth and the continuation of our of our conversation. So welcome to week one. Thanks again so much for being here. All right, here we go. Thank I you. do want to say thank you so much for taking the time for joining us for being the Sherpa. I, when I first met you, I said, this is what yeah. every business woman man needs is a Sherpa to guide the way, yeah. to know the way, to tell us where in the environment we have to look, why we're making the choices we're making. And so to be yeah. the good to great Sherpa, like.
1: Oh, I love that. I, you know, it's it's sort of such an accident of life and how I got there. Is it? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, you know, it's really crazy because I, I've never considered myself a leader. Uh, I, I'm like everybody. I see that image of what we say, the stereotype of a leader is like, oh, my gosh, I'm not anywhere close to that, right? And yet, circumstances kept pushing me. People kept drafting me into these situations where I'm asked to lead. And, you know, and and they were really gnarly situations. It wasn't like I was getting, you know, kind of me too, little safe uh, leadership things. It's like, okay, this is really on fire. Here, uh, you're now in charge. And I guess it's because early in my career, you know, I I got into – business and I thought everybody had things figured out and when I saw that there were big fires that people were the organization was struggling with I started running towards them and it never dawned on me everybody's running the other way that's right <laughs> and so I'm going you know and this kept happening and I kind of and I had this moment I looked up and I said you know why are you doing this to me and I'm going oh this is sort of I'm, I'm sort of wired to to feel this way wow. and, and and I was I knew I wasn't good enough naturally as a leader. I, I didn't think I had what it took, and so I had to look for examples of who's really good at it and yes. uh, and that's why when Good to Great came out, it's a study, right? It's research of real leaders who transformed organizations. I'm like, oh my gosh, these are the people who really uh, you know did it so well. Study anybody, study them, right. And uh, it was at that moment, because I had been, I had a really great mentors. A lot of them emulated these level five leadership qualities. They had, you know, very uh, a big mix of personal humility and fierce resolve. And uh, when I read Good to Great, while it's not a how-to book, no. I'm like, wow, somebody wrote it down. Mm. Right? Th- this is really uh, something to say. St- yeah, there you go. It's a, don't be bashful. I uh, am. <laughs> I've got it. I've funny... got it.
0: And I've got my post-it notes and my highlights. I really appreciate the reminder to pick it up. I really do. Yeah.
1: I have probably read it 40 or 50 times. Okay. And uh, just a funny story about how this plays out. It, 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 Cause this is a very good example of one of the books that people really read. I mean, he sold five, six, 12 million copies. I don't know. Now it just keeps going up. I carry it with me all the time. I have it on my iPad. I have it on uh, Audible. I have it, the hard copy. I have one of the uh, originals. They don't make this cover anymore. That's right. Yeah. Well, I
0: wondered, I saw your photo and it was good to great across the spine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They don't make this anymore. And look, it's all, it's all marked up. And, and so I'll inevitably be reading it on a plane or something. And this is so funny. It happens all the time. And I'll sit next to somebody and go, oh, uh, you know, pre pandemic, of course. They'll go, oh, that, that book's good to great. Uh, what do you think of it so far? I, you know, I, I had to read it for my MBA program. And I said, well, you know, I said, uh, I, you know, I'm actually reading it again. And I said, it's something I really tried to put in play. And then I say, well, you know, you, you, you read it too. I said, what have you used? And there's like two reactions, right? Some people just go, oh, wow, I didn't even think of that. A lot of people go, feel like I'm putting them on the spot. I'm not trying to do that. Nope. They go, well, you know, Circuit City went out of business. <laughs> it's like, boom, you know? Oh, that, that means, it's, you know, the book's no good anymore oh, and I people. didn't have to use it anyway. Yeah, and I, I find that really funny because Circuit City they go out of business. Yeah, but they had a 30 year run, which is really the length of a lot of careers. It, it, if my career was followed the chart of Circuit City, I'd be in the Caribbean. Uh, you know, I, 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 I might not be doing it.
0: Hey, Who knows? No, yeah.
1: So there's really important lessons in there. I still read it all the time. I, I struggle to practice it. I try to be the Sherpa uh, because. For me, I never wanted to have a C in front of my name. I didn't think that title was really important to me. I wanted to have a chance to make a difference, and quite candidly, not seeing myself as fit for that kind of a role, I'd rather I'd rather create CEOs. I'd rather create COOs. I'd rather help them get to the summit. Let them put the flag in. That's fine. I, it's not. I I don't uh, that's not important to me. I know how difficult that climb is. I've done been, been part of putting teams together that accomplished things they didn't think they could at a really troubling situations and that's really fun. That's really thrilling. Uh because again when you see collective success, you know, individual and collective success come together like these these people did, it it's the magic of work and that's what it should be, right?
0: And this, this is why, like, I have so many questions bubbling up, like about the people, about the leadership, yeah. but this is why I was yeah. hoping to have this podcast conversation because I've been so focused on overflow about self-care yeah. And, yeah. And, and leaders rightfully so have had, my soapbox has been, don't forget to take care of yourself because they're so taking care of their team. They're worried about safety yeah. and all the equipment. They're worried about their yeah. business. And so it really has been every type of coach: a movement coach, a happiness coach, a self care yeah. coach, like all the coaches. Yeah. Um, but now, what's happening, Dave, is the the calls that I'm getting are around difficult conversations. Or someone challenged me yesterday to call them courageous conversations. But yeah, still, the, yeah. the the leaders are, from my my worry is that they have been holding on to these difficult conversations, thinking when the pandemic is over, when the pandemic is over. So I think there's something we need
1: to talk about leadership and also the people. Uh, I think that's a really important point that you make is that that they may, what's really interesting is this idea that the difficult conversations, that deferring them is actually caring for them or caring for the other people in the organization where it's really not when you deny somebody the feedback that they really need, right, then you're, you're kicking the can down the road. You're, you're sending a signal that everything's fine. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: the, the pandemic was just a situation where we all got put under pressure and, and leaders, leaders own the culture that you have and they own the, the opportunity for people to individually and collectively succeed. So if somebody's performing poorly Delaying that conversation is a huge mistake you're not really caring for that person or for their teammates mm-hmm. right it's really the act of caring It's sort of is sort of looking at the world the different ways to, if I'm caring for the culture and the, for the, the good of everybody then that's my mandate is that I can't defer those conversations right It's really really important that leaders understand that if the culture and the performance isn't what I want, this is where we use the mirror in the window. Yes. Right. The, right? The, the mirror says, if I don't like my culture, if there's not the sense of urgency, or if this person is not performing, right. Well, that's on me. How, how have I put in place uh, or not put in place the conditions for that person to succeed or to perform at the right level, mm-hmm. especially if it's a miscast, if they're in the wrong job Oh, my Lord, we look for all sorts of excuses to defer that conversation because it's really, really difficult. That person, we may have put them in that role.
0: Yes, it's so uncomfortable.
1: Right? Yeah. And yet we uh, expect them miscast to come in every day since they don't fit the job. We expect them to have an out-of-body experience to perform. Yeah. And it's really harmful. It's probably, one of the, again, one of the biggest leaks of potential. And especially in a situation like the pandemic, we need to have the highest level of collective success, the highest level of individual and collective, you know, leverage of the talent that we have. And that's where the leader's game has to go up. Honestly, those fundamentals, they're not to be deferred. Now, I'm not saying in the immediate response, right, we all have to jump in and, like you said, the safety elements, all those things we have to line up. I, I get that. But the millisecond afterwards where we feel like, okay, we've kind of got COVID understood, right? I've got to go back to tending for the organization. Now I, I'm such a, a nerd, right? I actually even dressed up. I, I, I wore my created <laughs> by culture shirt. right? I, 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 I like get game ready because uh, I know this is an important discussion and culture does uh, define whether you can live up to your, potential or not. And that's a leader's job is to get wins for all the stakeholders. You know, I want my customers of the organization to win. I want my shareholders, the investors to win. But more importantly, I want the people to win. Because when the people win, I get the right people in the right seats, right, where they, they thrive, their, their strengths are center stage and their weaknesses are, are hidden, or not not called upon every day. And then I create the conditions for them to come together and and work on the truth. You know, that's the magic. That's when the flywheel starts and results come with it. So that's why who questions come first, because it unlocks the potential to get the things you want, not the other way around. Right. Right.
0: I always say when leaders, when you talk about the leader is caring for the person, so she's not having that difficult conversation. Maybe she put that person in the in that position, but it's uncomfortable yeah. for her. I always say, yeah. you know, when you're when you're on a car, when you're in a car, there's the blind spot, and I say in the in that blind spot, everyone on the highway can see what's in your blind spot, but you have to check. You have to check. And oh, so absolutely. If, if you think, oh, the team doesn't notice that that person's yeah. not successful in their job, or that person yeah. is unhappy, or that person isn't being performance managed, the team can see it. Yeah. You you think it's yeah. in your your blind Absolutely. spot, and if you don't look, it, it's not there. But the team can see it, and so that's yeah. kind of deteriorating the culture because they're looking to you for your leadership, for you to say something. <laughs> like, oh, to, you're to, spot to, on. Yeah. It, it,
1: Mis- miscast and poor performance is the worst kept secret in the organization.
0: That's right.
1: And people, you, I think you hit it right on the head, that when we, people see that unfolding, they stop worrying about, uh, about Sally, right? They stop going, well, she's in the wrong job or she's not performing. Yeah. They get used to that and they go, is somebody going to do something about it? And if it's not apparent, I'm not saying you, you obviously don't do that publicly, but if they don't see progress or change in that, then they go, well, either the leader doesn't know about it, so they're disconnected, they're detached, or they don't care, or they don't know how to deal with it. And so it, it does come back and reflect on you. They, 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 we've gotten used to Sally being uh, trouble Mediocre or, or struggling in her yes. role. She's drowning, right? Let's say she's the right person even in the wrong job. They go, oh, my gosh, is somebody going to throw her you know, a, a life preserver? My, somebody going to try yes. to get her out of that rough water that she can't manage you know, that's where the miscast and we go oh we, we think we're being nice to the person and we're, we're really not it's lose 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 totally. right the, the the team loses the leader we have to sacrifice and maybe pick that duty up or or not right the culture suffers and then that individual they they're never going to succeed in a role they don't fit and that's something that we really have to grasp that's our primary duty is to get pe- the right people in the right seats Right. And I
0: I love your reminder about the mirror and the window and talking about the level, the level five leaders. And so as a reminder, or maybe if, if people want to pick up the book and reread it, the mirror, it kind of came out of a conversation about, um, I guess it was leaders were saying that my success was based on luck. And so Jim Collins didn't yeah. know how to place yeah. it. He kept saying they keep <laughs> referring to luck.
1: Yeah, yeah or outside factors or the the people, right? They would give their credit. Look at all these great people and the things that they do, the magic that they they pull off every day. I would tell you in the the times where I have touched level five leadership, I'm not a level five leader by any stretch, but the times where I've touched that, where a team really came together, the magic that happened was a product of the people who did it, not me. I'm, I might have instigated a little bit, yeah. right? At, but nurtured I mean, it, uh,
0: put the bumper bumper cars around it. Yeah,
1: sure, sure. And I, I, I get that. And I've come to appreciate the right people in the right seats. That is a, a very difficult thing to do. It's one of the most important things. It, it may, it, it is the most important thing. That's why who questions come before what questions. It's why I tell leaders, you know, all this time you spend on what stuff on spreadsheets and financial reviews. You know, one of my mantras is you need to spend as much time building culture and investing in trust that you do EBIT cash, right, and revenue. Mm-hmm. If you think that EBIT, getting EBIT cash and revenue are your primary goals and you'll get around to culture later, you won't. If you get to the culture, right, if you create results through culture, if you take care of those things, EBIT cash and revenue come with it, mm-hmm. right? Right. Engagement's an organic thing is that you create the conditions for. It's not some program. It really isn't.
0: No. This is what I am trying to help um, when I work with entrepreneurs as trying to help them think about it's the hiring and the current people. So the hiring in, in the good to great, I think it was um, something about if, if your gut doesn't say it's right, then don't. Then keep yeah. looking. Don't, um, don't hire yeah. them. Cause yeah. I think we're, yeah, we, we're in a, we're in a pandemic and we're so excited to hire and we need someone yeah. and we need someone in the seat that we hire. We make the decision. And then really there was an inkling in our gut that said, maybe we shouldn't.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And there's regret. We used to, we used to have a mantra that said, if in doubt, leave them out. If you're not on fire, don't hire. Oh, Right. Brilliant. Because I like right, it, 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 these are, these are very important uh, decisions. These are, casting is the most important thing. And I get the whole pressure that there's not enough people to fill the roles or what have you. And again, uh, right now, this is one of the things I was telling you that uh, as I reflected on your question, that I feel like is happening in the pandemic because there's a shortage of people. And I hear a lot of leaders giving up and going, oh, people just don't want to work or there's not enough people or I can't do this. Like, you know, and they're letting the game come to them. Mm-hmm. And the fierce resolve is, I have to create the conditions where people want to work here. I have to create the conditions where I can find the right talent. If I just put better than nothing BTNs in my roles, I've had people call them that BTN better than nothing. Then you're going to get a a culture. That's not going to, it's going to degrade quickly, right? People get that. You know, I'm not saying you have to play the game perfectly, but don't kid yourself. The the more you make those trade-offs and, and, hire people that you have doubts about, and the more you're going to struggle with dealing with them once they're in and well, they, that's it. the team will not come together.
0: That's it. Somebody right? said, somebody said to me the other day, well really play the tape to the end. And I thought, yeah, that's the same yeah. thing. So here you are making a yeah. fast hiring decision or yeah. you're making the decision to not address whatever it is that's difficult to address. And so play that yeah. tape to the end. Like, Oh, so, so what does that look like in three months in six months? A year down the road, and then then you're wondering why do we have this person on our team? Why aren't they aligned? Why aren't we getting results? And really, those are the yeah, those are the phone calls I'm getting, and and it's so yeah. hard for me to help leaders like quantify culture and engagement.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, it's so
0: hard. Well, it's so you
1: hard. know it if you have it. You know it if you mm-hmm. have it, right? If if you do, you have the kind of culture where decision making happens at the right level, where you're not having to manage at a level lower, right? That's where organizations move at the speed of the talent in the right seats and the level of trust, right? And it's really, really critical. If you want speed responsiveness, and that's responsiveness to growing, it's responsiveness to dealing with problems like a pandemic, right? If you you did your homework and you were building a culture – that had that kind of strength where I had strong talent in each and every role. I hadn't settled. Right. I had been very disciplined in getting the right people in the right seats and the wrong people off the bus. Yes. Right. And the right people that were in the wrong seats to get them in the right seats. Right. If I, if I do all that, I have a culture that's already uh, inclined to take big hits. You know, all those good to great companies that we see those nice little chart going up, they all face really difficult times and the reason that they were able to respond to them differently was because they had that level of culture, those elements of what I call the cultural flywheel, right? Collins doesn't talk about a cultural flywheel. That's the one that precedes the business, right? If you look at my lead different stuff, you'll see there's a little dashed flywheel on the inside. Every time I've been part of a transformation, as you cultivate level five leadership, you do first two, you address brutal facts. You lead with questions instead of answers. You do autopsies out, you. You do those build-up activities. People start to notice there is a cultural feel that you go, "Oh my gosh, something's different here," and it's amazing. And then the, the business results come right there with it, you know. And that cultural flywheel is a very real thing.
0: Brilliant. And the cultural flywheel. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, it's crazy. I've had I've had independently people that we're outside of an organization see this sort of mini bus that we put together in a transformation and go, I don't know what's going on here, but something's really different. It's like crazy. There's like a karma, right? And my teams that when we were in this situation and heard that they just laugh, they go, yeah, we kind of know if something happened. <laughs> We've been working on this.
0: That's the thing. Sometimes leaders are, so they're fast to hire or they hire yeah. without following their gut or yeah. the person sort of meets all the criteria on the resume right but they have right. kind of a vibe about them that, they, that the leader thinks, yeah. I'm not quite sure if they're going to align with the rest of our team or rub somebody the wrong way. And so they kind of sure. have that gut reaction. Like, And, um, and, and that's the culture flywheel, right? Like, so they should be aligned. Yeah, yeah. It like, should be that I think I can work with this person. Our values are aligned. Like, Absolutely. They've got a good work ethic.
1: Yeah. 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 The, the casting of somebody is more about who they are than what they know right? It's more about character and talent that fits the role than it is knowledge, skill, or experience. What do we select people on? Knowledge, skill, or experience. What do I write on my resume? Knowledge, skill, or experience. So we have to get very, very clever and and much more uh, aware of what great performance looks like. This is a leader's role, right? And we're not talking about, again, doing strategy and all this fun stuff. We're talking about really understanding at a next level what fit is to your organization and fit is to the roles you got to hold out for those two things Both. yeah the hiring decision that you're talking about which is so interesting you talk about playing it to the end of the movie that's your easiest form of performance management as tough as it is to deal with somebody who's on the inside and you defer it and kick the can down like we're talking about the moment of deciding whether to put somebody in a role that's the easiest decision you could ever make
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right I know it, it, you obviously you might feel like you're letting somebody down or you're, or you're asking a team to carry more work for a period of time. Right. But that's, that's your, that's your role. In fact, I've seen teams that once we remove somebody who is the wrong person from a role, as we go back into the hiring to replace them, I've seen teams come to the manager and go, please don't hire that again. Right. We will carry extra work for as long as it takes to find the one." And it's really, it takes a lot of discipline. And uh,
0: That's the you beautiful have to be thing. mindful of that. That's the beautiful thing about who's on the bus then. Because yeah. I think it's so, it is so true that we are so, the leaders are so focused on what their sales, their profits, like the pandemic, all the yeah. things. And then yeah. it's who. But maybe if right. we put who on the bus, and we really worried about, do we have the right core team? Do we have the right leaders? work ethic, aligned with our values, headed in the right direction. If we focus on them and then focus on the what and our strategy and getting from good to great, like it seems so simple, but it is hard to convince leaders to think that way.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why if you look at good to great, they they only found 11 companies, 11 pairs of companies, right? This sort of transformation is quite rare. Now there are living and breathing ones. Which is really interesting, because that's another flaw of well, those are stories from a faraway land that, that that happened a long time ago, right? I could point to Reed Hastings of Netflix. I believe he is, uh, and I've never spoken with him, but I believe in seeing uh, what he has done, the culture that they have made at Netflix, in his interviews, I believe that's a real level five leader. There's one here in San Diego. Uh, Gary Ridge, who runs WD-40. I mean, they put oil in a can. I mean, it's not differentiated, right? But they have an amazing culture, and it's very deliberate. Now, Gary might tell you I'm not a level five leader, but the earmarks of what he does certainly makes me want to say I think you are one. Wow! Don't sell yourself short. <laughs> so, they're around, uh, and it, honestly. It is, it is. That's why I call it lead different. You do have to, Yes. this isn't about some new thing to do. It's about leading in a way that's different to get all the things that you think you need to do for the organization, but creating an environment where those happen kind of without you, right? They, they don't rely on you as a leader. Because if everything comes up up to you at the top, you're you're in big trouble. I mean, I was never smart enough to deal with everything that would come my way. And I mean, that's silly.
0: So give us some advice. So I'm in Canada, in Ontario, and we're in a lockdown. I think it's our third lockdown, Dave. Um, Oh, boy. But we have vaccinations, so we are rolling out. We do, we can see the horizon but for leaders who who maybe had their head down for a year thinking, you know, one more week, one more month, it's almost over, it's almost over. Now it's been a year and yeah. now they're starting to yeah. look at their engine, their team, the bus, like how how we're headed. Yeah. When you think of lead yeah. different, are there a couple hints that you would offer to leaders to to help them think about how they can lead different now as we, I mean, I get that the world's not going to be exactly the same, but as we, you know, as the pandemic releases its grips
1: from what it is, anyways. Well, I would say even the way you posed that question, there's some thinking there that's a little flawed, right? If you go back to the the idea of facing brutal facts, uh, you might remember hearing about the Stockdale paradox. Yes. Right. You know, James Stockdale, right? Uh, He was interned, the highest ranking officer interned in the Hanoi Hilton. And Collins, his meeting, James Stockdale, was an accident. It was a happy accident, I suppose. Yes. He asked him a question. He said, boy, it seems like, I, I read about the Hanoi Hilton Collins thing, and I, I was nervous. And he said, how did you survive that? And he said, well, he said, it was really important for us to 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 have this determination that we could prevail and, and the belief that we could prevail. And Collins asked him, he said, is, is there anything that you could share that would tell us who didn't get out, who didn't make it out alive. And he goes, "Oh, that's easy. It's the optimist."
0: Yeah, it's the optimist. Because, it, yeah, yeah. How could it be the optimist? Weren't the optimists the ones looking up, looking positive, like waiting? Yeah, for the. Isn't that crazy? Yes, it is.
1: Yeah. So they, what the optimist? He said the optimist would say, "Oh, we're going to get out by Christmas. Christmas would come and go. We're going to get out by Easter. Easter would come and go." Right. So my, my reminder there is if you think you're going to manage after the pandemic, you better just get used to the idea that you have to lead right now. Mm -hmm. And this may be our forever normal. What, what if there are strains that come up and we have to keep doing and dealing with viruses that, that we can't control because it's a global world, Mm -hmm. right? If you're thinking, well, I'll get my game on when the pandemic's over. Uh, you, you might be one of those optimists, you might not make it to the other side, because the other side might be what we are right now. And so I, I would say, the thing that you ought to do, the thing you should be careful to do, is to look at your organization and ask more questions and go, what are the real brutal facts? What are the things that's the brutal facts of our current reality? And it, 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 suppose they the same or they maybe even get worse. What are the brutal facts that we should be addressing, right? Are we, we've got all this work now and we can't get enough people, so we just keep taking the work, right? The, you know, the greatest way to stop flow is to drown people, is to get them under so much pressure, and I get it. I'm, you know, the spreadsheets with big numbers are sexy, right? Uh, you know, yeah, everybody absolutely. can get excited uh, about p But you have to be realistic to go, how do we manage this and not crush my organization, right, and crush my people? Because guess what? There is a fierce battle for talent. And if you decide that you're going to redline everybody and they can't perform it away and you just take more and more and you don't care about the consequences to people, regrettable turnover is right around the corner waiting Mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. And when do you find out about regrettable turnover, Kim?
0: When, when you really regret it, when you really, when you really regret it, right? When, like you said, they are overwhelmed or just flooded with work. And then they, they regret, like now they're now it's like you said, a leaky boat earlier. Like it's a leak in the organization. Like
1: they're. Yeah. Yeah. When they say goodbye, they, they, it's a silent killer, right? the, The regrettable turnover, it only becomes real to you as a leader when they're out the door and you go, oh my gosh,
0: yeah. I can't
1: get good people and I just lost my best one.
0: Yeah, I didn't, realize, I didn't realize you were drowning. Ooh. I mean, I did, but I didn't want to say anything. I
1: did know yeah, you were drowning, but work. I didn't know how to help. Yeah. Yeah, all this work, right? And so there's a discipline to go, can I, can I manage this? And, and if there is this big mountain, maybe that's the brutal fact to say, boy, we, we have no, not anywhere near enough capacity or capability to deal with it. We should circle the wagons and go what can we do Mm -hmm. what should we do that's where the leader asking questions versus going well i need to make all the important decisions right Mm -hmm. uh and i decide we need more profit because it's right here along those lines if you go to great by choice they talk about the 20 mile march and the 20 mile march is organizations that grow on a cadence instead of feast and famine when the feast is there i gorge when when bad times happen, I write it down, right? The 20 mile march is in good times and in bad, I grow at a cadence and that cadence is based on Packard's law, the, the extent that I can find the right people for the work. Not that I can find a BTN or anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what is the, the, what is the realistic pace that you can find the right people, not just dilute your culture with anybody that'll show up, right? When can I, what's that pace and that's the pace I should grow at. And if I'm having trouble finding enough of those right people, I need to grow them. I need to find them. I need to cultivate them. I need to, I need to poach them, right? I need to create something so compelling that they come to me. It's really, really important. And to go, oh, that's preposterous. Again, that is, the, that is you telling a story that you don't have to try harder.
0: Right.
1: That you don't have to exert fierce resolve.
0: Okay, well, listen, that is a lot to think about. That's a jam-packed episode. There's a big conversation happening here around good to great with our good to great Sherpa, Dave. We're talking about leadership, people and culture, what to focus on first, especially with the weight of a pandemic, Um, thinking about where we put our energies, what we are what he refers to as kicking down the lane. If we're just kind of kicking the can down the lane, hoping we'll deal with this a little further, or not deal with it at all, we'll just keep keep kicking it. Um, what is regret? Regret turnover. What will I regret beyond this pandemic? Thinking about the Stockdale paradox. What is optimism, and and what are we? What decisions are we making now? in an optimistic state versus a realistic state and thinking about the decisions we're making, approaching difficult conversations, the mirror versus the window, the flywheel, these who questions. There's so much good conversation in here. I hope you took some notes. If not, it may need a re-listen, but that is week one, part one of our Sherpa guide, Dave, our good to great Sherpa, helping us, think about how we create the best conditions and help move our team from good to great how we think about casting or or you know putting our the right people in the right seats in the right roles versus addressing poor performance and and he calls that the worst kept secret in the organization there's so many, Um, juicy nuggets for us to think about, highlight, reflect on how we as leaders and how our teams operate. So thank you for joining us for part one. Next week, we will do part two. And again, go further into Jim Collins, good to great models, as well as Dave's overlay of lead different and how that helps us lead different become better leaders stronger thinking about how we will lead great performance and 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 truly celebrate that so thanks again thanks dave for part one look out for part two next week dave that was brilliant that was really really brilliant juicy thoughtful inspiring very well done I hope this podcast feels like a guide in your ear, encouraging a shift in your mindset, boldly challenging you to stretch self-care goals and continue to strive and achieve big accomplishments in life because you're not here to be average. You're here to be awesome. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Overflow. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any comments, ideas, or feedback, you can find me on my website, peoplebrain.ca. Thanks so much for listening.